so Froggy from the Little Rascals and Kathleen Turner had a baby and they named it My Voice. I ask for your prayers today to get me through. A few weeks ago after service, a member of the congregation who gave me permission to share the story approached me. They told me that about a month before that, they had been at a birthday party for a child of a friend of theirs. And that one of the siblings of this friend of theirs arrived at the party late and clearly inebriated. And not just inebriated, but in a real state of despair and distress. Speaking in anger towards himself. Speaking about wanting to harm themselves and whether their life was still worth living. And at this point, the member of the congregation was telling me the story. He was in the midst of this story. said to himself, this could be a chance where I could step up. Share some care. Share some compassion. And although he didn't know well at all this person who was in such distress, approached this person and said, do you want to talk? They found an unoccupied room in another part of the house far away from the party. And for the next half hour, these two people, who had never really said a word to each other before, engaged in some truly deep, heartfelt, present conversation. After that was up, the person who had been in such distress sobered up just a little bit. Even more importantly, went back to the party and was there. Was no longer talking about harming themselves. Felt that they had the life breathed back into them. At this point in the story, the person telling this to me, I could see that tears were starting to come to their eyes. They said, looking at me right in my eyes, if it wasn't for Wellsprings, I never would have had the courage to step up and reach out to this person. Because you tell your story because so many people tell their story here because we have an addictions and recovery ministry. I felt that this was an opportunity to share who we were, not by telling this person about Wellsprings, but by being about what Wellsprings is. And so, thank you. And by extension, I share this person's thanks with you. This is why I am so open about telling my story. This is why we have an addictions and recovery ministry. Not that we know exactly how our care and our love will land in people's lives. But we trust that it will. Sometimes we get to hear about it. And sometimes we have the questions like so many of us do in our lives. Maybe those moments when we wonder if our kindness really matters. When we ask, does our love really matter? Does our noticing really matter? What good are my efforts? What good are your efforts? I mean, the challenges of this world are so great. And the sufferings of this world are so great. And sometimes the plain old just messed upness of our own hearts are so great. Am I? Are we making a difference? The philosopher Michel Foucault put it this way. People know what they do. Frequently, they know why they do what they do. 
But what they don't know is what they do does. What we don't know is what we do does. Now, that can either be read as a really challenging thing or it can be really read as a liberating thing. If we don't know that what we do does, and especially if it's motivated by kindness, let's go ahead and do it anyway. Between action and effect, there is a causal link there. But sometimes that causal link may stretch out over days, weeks, months, years, lifetimes. We may never know where our love will land. But to trust that our love will land in this life is truly an act of faith. This is how we put it at Wellsprings. One of our core beliefs is ripples of connection. Like a pebble dropped into a pool, we do not know how far our actions may reach. Let that sink in for a moment. We do not know how far the ripples of our actions may reach. Right now, we're probably sitting here, the outer, outer, outer ripples of people who have long since left this life. For good and for ill. And knowing that now, us, it can allow us to set our intention on the loving and the kind the just and the compassionate. To know that when none of us are here in this room at Wellsprings, if Wellsprings is even in this room in the future, that other people will be the outer edge of our own ripples. If we let that sink in, we can form a powerful intention. This is how I end most of the forms of the mindfulness groups, retreats, classes that I lead. Noble closure, hands over the heart. May the merits of our practice be of benefit to ourselves, to all creatures that we encounter, and may the merits of our actions ripple forth in ways we cannot predict. Because that's the truth. And if we set our hearts on it, then we will be intentional on sharing the love of our lives. It's just what Liz was talking about before. Opening up to our intentions connects us back with this life. Sometimes we will never see the fruits. And that's a good thing. Because the meaning of our lives lasts and never ends. And sometimes we do get to see the fruits of our actions. The seeds of our loving kindness brought to bloom in other people's lives in such powerful ways. I want to tell you one of these stories. Some of you might know that I had a book recently published called Restored to Sanity about Unitarian Universalists who've experienced spiritual growth through working various forms of the 12 steps. One of the contributors in the essay is a dearly beloved colleague of mine named Tandy. She writes about the ninth step. And I want to show you, for those of you who don't know what the eighth and ninth step are and the 12 steps. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, Make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Someone who has worked the steps and continues to work them, this is a powerful practice. It is a life-transforming practice. It is bigger than the recovery path. And it is not easy. Tandy wrote a ninth step essay for the book. 
But it wasn't about her own recovery specifically. It was by extension. It was about her father. Her father, who up to the first 18 years of her life had been, to put it bluntly, a drunk. And then when her dad got sober, she felt that there was a double loss. Because it wasn't just that she lost her dad to the bottle, but that as an 18-year-old who had lived with her dad's lies for a very long time, that she had now lost her dad to recovery. What she was saying, not blaming recovery, was that they still didn't have a relationship. Years of broken promises between them. She said that maybe he had tried to make amends at some point after he got sober, but she couldn't remember it. Maybe she missed it. She wrote, maybe it was so foreign because of all those years of broken promises that I didn't see it for what it was. But I do know that it came. How it arrived was a decade later, when she was no longer living at home, when her father was dying. She flew home on the night that was his last night on earth. And she got off the plane very, very late at night, like four o'clock in the morning, and drove directly to the hospital, even after what was really recognizable in her father had already passed. And his body had just another half hour to be there with her and the people who loved him. Now I'm talking about a complex relationship, right? After he died, she had such a swirl of emotions going on inside of her. And she went back to a place that she knew was familiar to herself and her dad. She went back to her dad's home office. She went to the closet of that home office and she took out the large blue navy pea coat. Before she put it on, she smelled it. it. Smelled like her dad. She wrapped herself in it and sat down on her dad's desk, the chair behind the desk. And she noticed that there was a mound of papers, fairly decently sized mound of papers. And on the top of their mound of papers, there was this kind of fringy felt material that she thought she recognized. It was familiar to her, but she didn't know exactly what it was. And she picked it up, and on the end of it, there was a buttonhole. It was the tail from her Eeyore when she was a child. And the tail on the donkey, right? She still had that Eeyore with her at her adult home. She thought the tale had been lost many, many years before. And under that tale, that mound of papers, was a note from her father. Pumpkin pie, know that I miss you and I love you and I'm very proud of you. I always will be with you. Love, Pop. And under that note was every single letter, note, card, Valentine's Day, Father's Day that Tandy had ever written her father. He had kept every one. She still has the peacoat. And she has his AA big book. And Eeyore has been reunited with his tail. And she writes, Amends. Made. Amends made. One of my favorite lines 
in all of rock and roll is this line from Josh Ritter from his song Kathleen. Every heart is a package tangled up and not someone else tied. But Tansy's story makes me realize that I have to come up with a corollary to that. Which is this. Every heart is a present waiting to be unwrapped by someone else's love and grace. All of our hearts are presents waiting to be unwrapped by love that lands in our lives. This is a season in which perhaps more than ever, especially this particular Advent, this particular both troubled and promising time in the life of our country, when we can really recognize the truth of what Mother Teresa said. We can't do great things. We can only do small things with great love. Enough small things with great love. And great things can happen. These holiday stories, these ancient holiday stories that still speak to so many of us, lights that miraculously stay on, a child born in a totally forgotten part of the world, Eeyore's tale, that these things can upset the established order, the established order of six social systems. The established order of our tangled up hearts. Small flames with big lights. Our love will land. Our love will land. We trust that it will. None of us know what effects our actions will ever have. Maybe we might think of all these seeds that we pass out through this life. As almost like the old fairy tale Hansel and Gretel. Little breadcrumbs. Not calling us back to be lost from the forest, but something even more important. Calling us back to the home of our hearts and to the home of each other. And a quote from a character that is really kind of a bastard from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross ABC, always be closing. No, ABO, always be open. Always be opening to, yes, the limits of our power and never knowing how our love will land. And at the same time, opening intentionally to the limits of all of our love. Today, may you spread your love and your hearts like seed, whether it blooms tomorrow, whether it blooms in a hundred years, whether it blooms in a thousand. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. God of abundance, of fecundity, of limitlessness, of evergreens and ever-present love. May we allow ourselves to feel caught up in that larger stream of belovedness that give birth to our lives not just once but every day if we will let it. May we share our small lights. May our small flames be joined with the light of the world. Amen.